0: You're listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. This show was created for entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers, and dreamers who want to learn from the experts of today and drastically shortcut their own success to build a business that supports their dream lifestyle. Since 2011, Tyler Jorgensen has been interviewing business thought leaders from around the world. A serial entrepreneur himself, Tyler also shares his personal insights into what's working in business today. Welcome to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio.
1: Welcome out to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio here on ABC News. I am your host, Tyler Jorgensen. And today we have the honor and the pleasure and the privilege of speaking with Latasha Mitchell. Latasha Mitchell is the author of the JV Playbook. She helps entrepreneurs scale their business through the power of partnerships. And if there has ever been a time more important to understand the value of partnerships, it hasn't happened. This is it. This is the time. So we're super privileged to have you here, Latasha. Welcome out to the show.
2: Thank you for having me here, Tyler. I'm super pumped to be here, super excited, and just grateful that you asked me on your show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have connected through the ClickFunnels community. But my first question to you is this. When was the first moment in your life that you realized you were an entrepreneur?
2: Oh, the first moment that I realized I was an entrepreneur was just, you know, I kind of knew it all my life. I watched my dad go through the whole entrepreneurial journey, trying to figure it out. He never truly honestly succeeded with it. We were, you know, dirt poor our whole lives, but he hustled and grinded the whole, our whole lives. So I knew from a young kid that I didn't want to work for anybody. And I knew that I wanted to like be like my dad, but I wanted to make his, I wanted to make his dreams a reality, right? I wanted to go out there and actually make this happen. I wanted to become an entrepreneur. So I knew all my life that I wanted to be one.
1: Okay. Awesome. So You knew from day one, you were built different and that it was going to be, you were going to find a different path, right? But you wanted to finish that path. So your dad had the entrepreneurial spirit, never quite made, like got over the finish line of really making it work. What was your turning point?
2: My turning point was when I had a baby at 18 years old, my mom actually never thought I was going to make it to 18 years old. Like she, to this day is like, I'm shocked that you're here. And we know the only reason why that happened is because I found myself pregnant at 18 and I had to figure it out. And I knew that I didn't want my son to know poverty. Like I literally said to myself, my son will never know broke. And so from the moment that I had him, I just went on a journey to make sure that I always had him, you know, not just clothes and fed, but had him living an extraordinary life and never understanding what broke was. So it was really that moment that I had him. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. No matter what, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to grind. And I don't use those terminologies anymore because I've grown up and I need sleep and rest. But, uh, you know, back then I was like, I'm going to do anything it takes to make this happen. So that was for me, the turning point was having my baby and making this all happen. That has kind of led me to this point.
1: That's amazing. I love how you're like kind of grown out of the hustle and grind mode. I think there's a time for it. I think there's a a season. I think it's a dangerous thing to be like, that's the only way to get there. We're going to come back and loop back around to that. What I'm curious on is, okay, so you're 18. 18 find yourself pregnant, make a decision at that point. Boom, I got this, I'm gonna figure this out. Did you, what happened? Like right out the gate, 18, you're like, cool, I got this. And then boom, we figured it all out, Things, no problems. Never hitting a hurdle, right? No obstacles.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no obstacles, just went right in and had success right off the bat. I'm still doing the same thing. No, not at all, not at all. I've lived many lives since my son was born uh, because I've always been the entrepreneur that if something isn't working, you change paths, right? I'm not saying just change just because, but like see something through, put the energy in, put the work in. And if you have to pivot, then make that pivot. And ultimately those pivots is why I'm here today. If I was stuck in a place that I was like, oh my gosh, I committed to, you know, being a hairstylist or I committed to being a personal trainer and an MLM, I'm not doing anything else. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I would not be here right now. And I probably would be in, you know, a relatively same space as my dad when, you know, where he was. So I just decided like, you know, I would see something through. So the first thing I did is I had him and I think I was home with him for two and a half months, maybe that. And then I decided I'm going to become a hairstylist. You know, it's not probably the most lucrative business or, you know, thing to be in, but I went to school to become a hairstylist, did that for about 10 months, worked for about a year. And I was like, oh my gosh, I bought myself a job. I, I paid to go to school to get myself a job. Right. And yes, there is, you know, fast forward thinking now that I'm into where I am. I mean, yes, you could have made a ton of money as a hairstylist. You know, we know a few entrepreneurs who have made their own hair brands and things like that. Unfortunately, I wasn't in that marketing realm when I was a hairstylist. So
1: it didn't work. But to separate those two things, hairstylist is buying yourself a job. It's being self-employed, right? You usually pay for a booth rental. You're You have have the spirit of entrepreneurship, but a lot of the safety nets of somebody else covering most of the expense and the risk. So you're self-employed. You can't scale that. The the things that you described are scaling by taking a skill and transferring it into a business that is scalable and moving from self-employed to business owner. So you realized, okay, this doesn't have the ceiling that I want, right? It's going to be too low of a ceiling. What was your next move?
2: So from there, I actually decided um, to continue that for a little bit. And then, sorry, I'm trying to like, think about it. So I went to, from here and then I ended up actually, uh, you know, kind of wanting to get out of it. And I knew that I wanted to do something else. So, you know, being 21 at this point, I was in Vegas, you know, we're doing our thing. We're hanging out, partying. It was a great time. And I was so hungover. and I went into the stratosphere and I, you know, I've been thinking in my brain, like, I want to do something. I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how to do it though. I'm not sure what to do. And so I went into the stratosphere, I saw an oxygen bar and I was like, this is, Is amazing. So I I took the oxygen and I didn't have a hangover again, 21 years old. I, I love to, you know, party and drink. So then I, I found that and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I don't have a hangover. Like this has to come to Canada. Cause you know, in Canada, there was maybe one oxygen bar that I still hadn't tried, but there was one in all of Canada. So then I obviously, as an entrepreneur, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I took all the money I had from hairstyling, everything I could, pulled, you know, any money I could get together. And I went back home. I started researching, you know, oxygen bars, oxygen bar-, bar suppliers, and I got all the money together. And I still remember when the semi pulled up with the freight of the oxygen bars, because they were full fledged, like oxygen oh, yeah. Bars. And they dropped them in my mom's complex. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a low income complex and I had these bars dropped. <laughs> and you know, people were like, what is she doing? This is crazy. So that was my first step into the entrepreneurial world. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting a trade, like we worked a little bit, got a trailer, got a truck and, you know, just, just bootstrapped it. Uh, and then we were at big exhibitions and all these different things. And again, I was like, okay, this is great. But again, I, you know, I've got to, I got to get to these events and I've got employees and like my employees aren't showing up. I'm, I'm racing downtown to like, you know, deal with someone that hasn't showed up. And if, if that person doesn't show up, I get a $2,000 fine at the exhibition. And so- from there, one of my friends had been bugging me and bugging me and bugging me and saying, hey, Latasha, like, come to this network marketing thing. And I was like, no, it's a scam. I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with it. And she kept calling me and calling me. And finally, she got me on the phone. She calls me and she says, hey, I've got a friend on the phone. He wants to talk to you. And I was like, who is this guy? And it's her upline. And he's like, hey, Latasha, I'm from this company. And you got to check this out. I hung up on her. I said, don't ever call me like that again. And so she bugged me again. And I said, you know what? I'm going to come. I'm not bringing my credit card, but I'm going to come to your event. And so I went to the event and I remember sitting there and I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to be around that, you know, culture mentality. And I knew I wanted like positive people doing big things in my life but I came from poverty. I was still trying to figure it out. None of my friends were entrepreneurs. And all of a sudden I found myself in this BMW event space It was a location or whatever. Um, And, you know, I saw the positive people. I saw the entrepreneurship. I saw people making money and making dreams happen. And I was like, okay, I don't know what I've walked into, but you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went from being reluctant and against it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it and I'm going to see what happens. I put my credit card down and I said, okay, let's go. I'm all in 17 days later. I'm walking across the stage in St. Louis and people are screaming and yelling and I'm getting a word of my 650i BMW because I went regional director in 17 days. And that's when the marketing bug bit me. So, you know, I kind of played that game for, you know, a while, became an ambassador, you know, I did really really well in those companies, and then I I something kind of didn't feel right and I knew I wanted to transition out of that. But now the marketing bug had bitten me like big time. I moved to Europe, opened their company over there, and I just like I was like a full-fledged, you know, network marketer, IE, you know, I was still getting bitten by that marketing bug. Right. Yeah, so that's kind of how that transitioned. And obviously we're not in network marketing now. What is the
1: number one th- lesson that you learned from the network marketing? What was the big, your big takeaway from that?
2: Well, my big takeaway was community and culture in order to like, you know, get people together to make a movement happen. Right. Like the biggest thing was just the positivity and the energy. And I knew I wanted to carry that forward. And in, in my whole life, I knew I wanted to yep. be around those people to, you know, instill that in other people and have it yep. instilled in me on a daily basis. So that for I love me, that thing in network marketing that I took from that. And I
1: I use to this day. I think that's fantastic. I think there's a lot of things that network marketing does that is positive, Yeah. but you felt like there had to be something different. You came out, right? You're like, okay, what made you decide to say, and and I'm probably skipping a bunch of steps, but like what, you know, you're now LatashaMitchell.com, right? You help entrepreneurs grow through the power of partnerships, right? So how did you, what was the big thing that made you realize this is where I need to put my energy. This is my special place in the world is to come in and help entrepreneurs do this.
2: So I had a pivotal moment. I had a couple, number one, I was in the network marketing space and I started to realize that, you know, leaders weren't coming in in an authentic way some leaders were getting paid to be there and i actually got offered to be paid to be in a a spot in network marketing right and that was the moment for me i was like oh my gosh i don't want anything to do with this because like i was like you know there's just so many things going on behind the scenes that that people aren't learning and understanding and they're bringing people in and giving them false expectations and i was like i want something where i can go to my friends and family And authentically say, I can help you and actually help you the result, right? So uh, fast forward, you know, I ended up leaving, started to get into the coaching world, met a coach, was at an event, and Infusionsoft came in. And when Infusionsoft came in, everybody else glossed over. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing.
0: This is the cool part.
2: This is cool, right? This is amazing. What is this? So, you know, I started diving into Infusionsoft and then I went out there and I actually started to like learn about it. It was my saw certified, and then I started hearing about a company called ClickFunnels, which kind of you know brought me into the funnel world, and that was great. We were building, and then we started our agency, started building out campaigns, and all these different things for companies, like everybody else, you know. And we were running that play, and it was it was fine. And then the pivotal moment happened in my life. I ended up going through a separation that had me lose absolutely everything. So when I say everything, I actually went to go buy a dog tree and my credit card declined like so fast, Tyler, I can't tell you, I've never seen a decline so fast. Like there was nothing in the account. Right. And so I remember calling the bank and they're like, yeah, no, everything has been moved. Credit cards are canceled. Like you have, you have nothing. I remember my kid being like, Mom, we don't have any money. And remember what I said, my kid will never know broke. You got to believe how mad I was that someone had me in a situation that my kid felt broke for a second, right? And I did not like that. So, you know, my car got repoed. I ended up uh, calling one of my good friends who was a mentor to me. And, uh, you know, he's a co-founder of a mass company that we all know. And I asked him, I said, I said, listen, I I don't know what to do. My car just got repoed. I can't go and sell any more funnel services or automation services or anything like that. Like I'm not in a place that I can be doing that right now. And so I just asked him, I was like, what do I do? And he's like, come to my house and, you know, we're going to sit here for two days. We're going to hash out a strategy where you can take your expertise, package it all up, and we're going to sell it through the power of influencers partnerships. Right, and so that's what we did. We sat there. He hashed out a plan with me. I went home, and I just I laid it all down, and I went all in. I had no other choice. Right, it was either eat or figure this out, lose my house or figure this out. So I was like, I'm figuring this out. So I went home. I put in all the steps. You know, I think it was about 50 to 60 days. We had you know contacted 35 influencers, and out of those 35, five said yes, and I hit almost $60,000 in under 60 days. And at that moment, I was like, this is life-changing like People spend so much time focusing on building funnels or making building this perfect system. But if you don't have people to fill it, then like, what is it worth? Right. You need traffic. And so I was like, this is crazy. And this is a piece that people are skipping over. And this is something that I've been doing my whole life. Like, you know, network marketing, going over to Europe, building these relationships. I'm like, this is what I've been doing. I've never ran an ad up until that point of my business. I had never run an ad. I have never done anything to get to the point that I was. So I was like, well, how have I been doing this? And I started to like reverse engineer. And I was like, this is what I've been doing. I have been selling through the power of partnerships. And so I just started to like do it more and do it more and sell more and, you know, get more clients and and then people started to notice. And I remember I was on, you know, one of the cruises with Russell Branson and someone asked me about it and people were like leaning in like in a crazy way. And I was like, hold up, right. a second. like people need to know about this. And so that's kind of what started the journey of the whole partnership thing. And I just was like, I want to create a system that works that is, you know, you can do on a repeatable process. And that is where the power of partnerships came from and why I'm so passionate about building relationships and about, you know, getting partnerships for other people and myself.
1: It was amazing. I hope that people really saw the amount of things that were layered and nuanced in, in that part of your journey, right? You had somebody that, you were willing to reach out for help. That's huge, right? You were willing to rebuild instead of go back to the other thing and try to just start doing the same thing again. The willingness and ability to make change and to be humble is such an important part of entrepreneurship. I think that's one of the big things that holds people back. You've now talked about a lot of different things that you've done in terms of pivoting or changing. How do you know when there's a when the difference between a time to pivot and a time to persevere? How do you separate the two?
2: I feel like if you've exhausted all odds, like if you've exhausted all different avenues, like you have tried to make this work in every possible way that you can with an ethical reason, then I think, yes, you got to pivot, right? Like, you know, even my business is a prime example because partnerships is not something that's like super, you know, people aren't using it over and over again. So we're figuring this thing out every step of the way. Right. So we, you know, we've had different services and one service was, you know, just the way we had it structured, it was working, but we found a bottleneck and we kept seeing that with client after client, after client, these bottlenecks. And I was like, okay, And we tried to push through. We actually took it to the point that that bottleneck had us fly to Malibu and, you know, shoot these clients videos for them. And so I was like, this is not affordable for everybody. So this bottleneck is stopping us. So we got to do something else. And so now we've pivoted our services to a newer model, a different model. And it's working. Like when I say working, we launched it like a month ago and we've filled up six clients. Like we're going to wait list. And that's how well it's working, right? People are, we're getting a lot of results, right? So I think once you've exhausted all avenues ethically, and you know, it's not working, just make a pivot, consult with the people you trust and yep. see what they think, and then just make that pivot,
1: right? Don't make massive yeah. jumps. I mean, unless you've exhausted all those resources, all the things, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So yeah,
1: I think there's what I see separates the entrepreneur from the entrepreneur. One of the main things is the willingness to have been wrong. The willingness to have said, yeah, I really went all in on this idea. Turns out the market didn't agree. So I did something new. And the problem is, the entrepreneur is so worried about being perceived as wrong instead of just becoming successful. Right. So they're more worried about the optics than the outcome. And so I think that's like being able to have a clear line. One of the big things I tell people is like before you start a business, you need to have gates, like that if you don't hit timelines or revenue things, you have a hard conversation of is it the time to pivot? Because otherwise, you can burn through years of your life on an idea that really should have been a 6 month test. Yeah. Right? And I think it's so important to have those gates and be willing to pivot and and reach out to advice to other, you know, to people who have gone before you or who just can see it from a fresh perspective. So, we're into now what you're doing about the power of of networks, the power of JV, the power of of working through partnerships. Teach us. What does every entrepreneur need to know about the power of partnerships?
2: So when the for me like the key to partnerships in any factor, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do, is building the relationship. And I know I sound like a broken record because I say it over and over again, but it is it is literally the the most important thing in reaching out to people, in asking them for something is putting your effort in to knowing who they are, to building that relationship, to helping them in any way, shape or form you can and having their back, like just doing anything you can to nurture that relationship. And I don't mean like buy an iPhone and send it to Tyler because Tyler has two records. I'm sure he doesn't need an iPhone. Right. So that iPhone, like, why did he set, why did this person send me that? Right. And I know that's kind of like what a lot of people talk about, but that's just not what we practice. And we've just found it, you know, for us that relationship building piece is actually more important than sending that item. If somebody wants to build a relationship like that, like, Figure out what Tyler loves, right? I mean, you know, he loves books, right? You can see that in the background, right? So figure out what that is. Figure out a topic you really want to learn about and maybe an exclusive book that's like not on the shelves and you can't find it. Get that and have that hand delivered. That would actually, you know, build that relationship. And you would, you know, I'm sure you would love that, right? And, you know, going on social media, connecting and liking and commenting and building that relationship any way you can. Offering your services to that person for free. And, you know, if you do that and that person loves what you did and you changed their life, with that service, they're gonna be more likely to actually want to work with you and help you get your product out to the
1: world. I'm such a big believer of relationship marketing and meaning like getting to know people before you try to sell to them or partner with them. Like it's funny because it almost some people feel that it's disingenuine. Well, you're just getting to know them to make a sale. Like that's we're funny. all trying to make the sale. I'm just doing it in a way that's trying to build a relationship first. Which one's more unethical, right? Which one's actually worse? It's the one that ignores the human, and only focuses on on the business side of things. Like to me, it's people first, it's humans first, it's relationships first. So, I'm pretty sure that's similar to what you're saying here, right? Oh, the, the importance of actually building that relationship. It's not a negative thing. That being said, what are some of the mental barriers or preconceived notions that you have to help your clients overcome in order to be successful with this?
2: Oh, I'm not big enough. I'm not good enough. That person wouldn't want to work with me. Are you sure? Like we've had some serious pushback from clients when I'm like, listen, like, let's go after, um, you know, Marie Forleo, like, is it going to happen? I don't know. Probably not. It might, but even if it doesn't, the fact is, is that relationship has been established and started to be built, you know? So that's, that's the thing. Right. And, you know, and when people say it could be, um, you know, not genuine when, You want to like build that relationship. The thing is, is like when I say I built relationships with people, it's not like I built relationships with people and I know I'm going to want something from them. I build relationships with people and I just love having a Rolodex that I can pull from at any time. I mean, I've never asked, I've probably not asked like 80% or 90% of my network for anything, but I have them in my back pocket and I've done favors yeah. and I've helped them out. I mean, there's one girl right now that we've become friends and, uh, someone that she knows is sick and she wants to hold a fundraiser. And I was like, listen, I've got all these ideas. How can I help? I will go on clubhouse with you for five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. And we'll do like a <laughs> fundraiser there. You know, that's relationship building number one, because I want to help. I want to help do the donation. I want to help get that, get to that 30 grand, Yeah. but because like, I like her and you know, down the road, maybe we'll do something. Right. But the yeah. thing is, is she's going to be like, wow, Latasha's gone above and beyond, given her time, her effort, and her energy to build this relationship. If I ask her for something in six months or a year or 10 years, I'm sure she's going to be like, yes, what can I do? So,
1: yeah, I think it, there's a networking group that has the adage of givers gain. And I absolutely believe in that. I think if we start first with focusing on giving and serving and providing, it just through the power of reciprocity, things work out. Absolutely. And I don't think that means we give in order to gain. I think it's a natural byproduct of being someone who is a relationship first marketer and a relationship business person. Like the disingenuine will always be felt. But if you're genuinely trying to connect with the human on a real human level, that's such a positive thing because so many people ignore it. And like yeah. most of us just need connection and understanding. And like, yeah, and it is fascinating. Like what you mentioned about like people thinking that people are too big to connect with. Yeah. It's all perception, right? Like there are very few people that are so famous that there's not rooms they can walk into and be completely anonymous. Yeah. Like, especially in, okay, the ClickFunnels world, right? There's people that are famous. Yeah. But you step an inch outside of ClickFunnels, no one knows who they are, right? Exactly. And that's still the majority of their life is still being not recognized, not known. So, like, most people, like, aren't that level of famous. And so, like, most of their life is felt just wanting people to connect, right? And so, yeah. I remember that back in the days when we could go to networking events. It was like, most people are uncomfortable. Just being willing to approach people and start talking, you're actually doing them a favor. Yeah. So like because they're all uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so funny now, like that you mentioned that because Clubhouse is the prime example for this, right? You can be in, and this is why when you're on Clubhouse, you should just respect everybody. Don't ever disrespect anybody because you have no idea who you can't you're connecting see their with. Clout. <laughs> yeah. And I just love it. So, you know, you have somebody on there that um oh, I don't remember who I was on with yesterday. Oh, Jay Abraham. And he, I don't remember how many followers he has, but it's not a hundred thousand. It's not even 10,000. Right. Cl- I mean, th- Clubhouse
1: was like the great clout reboot. It was right? like, everyone started back at zero. There was no way to like import your connections and have a million followers right away. So exactly. yeah, absolutely. You have all these you have amazing legends that are like five followers.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So it's funny though, that, you know, that we're here at this point because a lot of people were, you know, oh, this person won't work with me or that person won't work with me. But the crazy thing is, is now the proximity has been removed inside of a uh, clubhouse, which is phenomenal. Right. And it just means that, you know, the influences you were scared to connect with now you can have a conversation with. And so for my business, that just means that like the proximity is gone. I can connect on behalf of my clients or myself with all these big entrepreneurs, big influencers, celebrities, right? And actually have an honest conversation with them. And it's, it's amazing. So yes. So don't be scared of who you want to reach out to because I mean, right now is the opportunity of a lifetime. You can reach out and connect with anybody.
1: Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to the location. If you're at a person's event, that's going to be a really hard time to make a real human connection with them. One they're on, right. They need to be on in character. They need to be running their event, but there are plenty of times the rest of the year where that person's just showing up in their day as a normal normal human, right? And that's the opportunity. I think sometimes the issue is people try to make it when it's convenient for the person, right? As opposed to the person they're trying to connect with, then that's the wrong way to do it. It's about thinking about the other person first. And there's a couple of questions that I always end with. And uh, one of them is, like, to me, business is about lifestyle. Like we go through the grind of be- being an entrepreneur and the risk and the challenges so that we can create the lifestyle we want. What's one item on Latasha Mitchell's personal bucket list that you're going to accomplish in the next 12 months?
2: One item. I don't think it's sexy,
1: but just removing me from my business and- See, but that's not personal. That's business. And that's okay. Personal. That's okay. But like, that's the thing. Like, so, okay. So now let's take that a step further. You're going to remove yourself from your business so that you can-
2: uh, have more freedom and, you know, spend more time with my family, like, you know, dedicated time where I don't wake up and I'm just stressed on what's going on in business and who, uh, you know, right. Putting out fires and making things work. Yeah. So, yes. So I want to spend more time with my family. Yeah. I just want to spend more time with my family. That's probably like the one thing I want to achieve. And to do that, I'm just going to remove myself from my business. And we already have started, we hired a COO and that's actually been helping out quite a bit already. And her whole awesome. role is to help me to remove myself. So, so that's my bucket
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, And look, and I press because a lot of us as entrepreneurs, that's where our brain goes. When Mm -hmm. we think of goals, we think of it's all business related, even like, yeah, I want to have more time. If you're not mindful of it, you'll fill that time with other business things. Right. And (laughs) so it's like, you'll be like, oh yeah, I went, you know, we went down to, you know, fifth beach and now we're back and I'm right back into work. Right. So it's like, no, like, what, what are you going to do? What's like, so I'm I'm real big on travel. Travel is a big thing for me. So yeah. this has been a tough time, but um, you know I'll go to Barcelona for the weekend, right? Like I'm like, let's go, let's do something be amazing, and I need those kind of big events to yeah. kind of benchmark things. But so you've got an opportunity here, like to tell people where to find you. Where should people go to learn more about you?
2: So if you want to learn more about me, the best place to go is www.latashamitchell.com. And then, you know, they can, you can book a call with me or, you know, get our ebook or any of those things, but it's just the best place to kind of, you know, it's my home online and the best place to kind of come and learn about me and just kind of connect. And you can also go from there to my Instagram and DM me directly. And I love to answer questions and help out any way I can.
1: Love that. One piece of advice to yourself 10 years ago. You are enough. Love it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio here on ABC News. This has been uh, an amazing interview with Latasha Mitchell talking about the power of partnerships and perseverance and and when to pivot. So I highly encourage you to go follow her, go to latashamitchell.com, learn more about her. And now it's your turn to go out and do something.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. What you didn't hear was one more very important question that Tyler asks each guest. If you want to be a fly on the wall when the real secrets are shared, go to bizninja.com slash VIP and get your access today. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And our one last favor, if this episode was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a fellow entrepreneur so they can grow along with us. Biz Ninjas, it's your turn to go out and do something.